Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Today I got a text message from Amanda. And I'm not sure if it was a TikTok video or an Instagram video. It was one of the videos. But it was very, very, very disturbing because what it was, was what is going on in Australia in regards to the mask, the mandate, things that, that's going on in their lives. And she's reading it, and, and again, I don't know how legit it is, I just know it was disturbing. And it was, it was, you can't have people in your home, we'll tell you how many people you can have in your home. It was, it was so bizarre, because we live mostly normal. We go to the grocery store, people want to come over, nobody's calling the cops on us, but I'm told, and, and if you'll read this, it was, it was quite disturbing because it was just laid out there where it was, wow, wow. And they've taken COVID-19 to a whole nother level, a level of, of I don't even know, And so I texted her back and I said, hey, Amanda, coming to a city near you. And she said, you got that right. And I said, you can see the spirit of Antichrist all over that. You can see that. Control. You can see where you can't do what we need to do unless we tell you to do it. How are you supposed to do it and everything else? This is Australia. I was like, like I said, I don't know how legit this is. I don't live in Australia, but I know it disturbed me to the point where my opening line here is, tonight, God is calling us back to him. This is not the time to be plain church. God wants us to have a heart devoted to him. And I don't know about you, but if I'm being completely honest, I struggle. I struggle with that. I want to draw closer to God. But I also want what I want. I believe that just attending church is not enough. I went to church. Yeah, we go to church. If you were to go out and share the gospel, the good news with somebody, their first response almost always is, I go to this and this church. I go such and such church. I go here. And that's okay, but let's get to the heart of the gospel. Because we know that in God's church in Lubbock, Texas, there are people who are in church that are not saved. It's the wheat and the tares. I believe tonight he's calling us to draw close to him. Wednesday nights are a game changer for us. You see, James... James, the half-brother of Jesus, teaches us this. In chapter 4, verse 8, look at the screen. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, if you have a pencil handy, 
and you want to circle that word for draw, if you want to go there, you want to just make a note, you can write next to draw, it means to cleave, to cleave. And what James is wanting us to do, he's exhorting us to cleave unto God, to cleave, to cleave. Now, you might be wondering, how? Well, I don't know about you, but the very first thing that came to mind was my seven-year-old granddaughter, whenever we go somewhere, we've taught her that she needs to stay close to grandpa, because you guys know this is a crazy world. And she's so close, and she's always holding my hand, and she's cleaving. And I think that's what we need to do. Why? Well, you go, well, how do I cleave to God? How? I mean, I can't hold on to his leg. I can't wrap around and go, okay, Lord, what do I do? But basically, here's how. You ready? According to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20, he namely points out we need to draw close to him prayerfully. Prayerfully. And see, to me, that's conviction already. Because then I've got to ask the question, how's your prayer life? And you go, well, I mean, come on, let's be honest. We, we pray and we pray by faith and, and I'm not here, I, I'm not here to put, put you down because I struggle, but we gotta, we really gotta have a good prayer life if we're gonna draw close to God. That involves probably a personal journal. That involves who we're praying for, praying for the things in our lives, praying to draw close to God. How do we get to the place where we value everything else in our lives, but we need to value God more than anything? I think it's done prayerfully. It's done prayerfully. So, James exhorts us, draw, cleave to God through prayer, and then the Lord is going to draw near to you. Nathalie speaks of a time when she was right in the midst of chemotherapy, not knowing if she was going to live or die, as she battled cancer, and she felt the breath of God on her. I don't want a suffering or a tragedy or anything like that to draw us close to God. We have the opportunity to do that now. And so again, this is what he's talking about. So what have we learned? Well, we talked and we talked and we talked. And I want to reiterate some aspects of a heart devoted to God. Why? Because if you recall, we spent a great amount of time talking about prayer. This is exactly how. Prayer. And I'm reminded at times when I ask somebody, I'll say, hey, I'll pray for you, and I need to do it right away or else I won't. Anybody with me? We, we all, yeah, oh, man. And then you get that call, hey, man, did you pray for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need to pray. How do we pray? How do we pray? What's your prayer? What's your prayer like? God, you know, you know. Let me use Adam as an example. God, you know what Adam's going through. Amen. I prayed. I prayed. Or am I really seeking? Am I really being an intercessor? Lord, I pray for Adam. We talked to heart devoted to God. And therefore, on our Wednesday nights now, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. You see, it may not be COVID that you're dealing with. It may be cancer. It may not be, you know, a cold. It might be lupus. 
It may be something else that we have to deal with. So we need to pray. We need to pray. Now, in no way we will force you to pray. We will never say, hey, go ahead and pray. And, and, uh, but we would ask that you join in silently. Maybe tonight we say, hey, listen, why don't you come to the altar and be prayed for? I don't know. Last week we spent 10 minutes uh, praying for the needs of each other, praying for fellowship, praying for our fellowship. Now, I can tell you that the enemy is not happy. I don't want you guys praying for each other. And so every Wednesday is going to make it even more and more difficult for you to get here. It's going to make it difficult. Let us remember that a heart of prayer is one devoted to God and not mainly on us. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you look at your prayer life, how many, I don't know how it circles back to me. It always does. Lord Jesus, I'm praying, and I'm praying for so-and-so, and so Listen, and, and really, I want to have a better heart. And, and I don't know how I always circle back to me, but I always end up praying for me more. And, and that's why it's important to have a prayer journal, because it needs to be God. I want to seek you. The second thing we need to do in prayer is pray the word of God back to God. Lord, this is your word. Your word says. Well, I'm praying, Lord, I want exousia power. You gave him to the disciples. I want to be your disciple. I want this power, not so I can show off. But I want to see the glory of God as, as people are healed. And we're going to see what David is talking about here in just a minute. So tonight we continue, and the scene in our text sort of changes. Although, now jot this down, Psalm 41 fits the current scenario with Absalom. You understand that? And the betrayal. And the word of God also focuses on those of us who are sick and need of healing, comfort in suffering. This is Psalm 41. Psalm 41 is very interesting because this psalm deals with David and he's going to talk about two situations. On the one hand, his suffering and on the other, his consolation. What do you mean? Well, what was David? What did he suffer about? Well, David's main suffering was criticism. His enemies had criticized him, and, and the text seems to indicate, Joe, that they criticized him to the point where it made him literally fig- sick, physically sick. It seems to indicate that, because that really was the thing. And although David accepted criticism, come on, somebody, he did not like the malice in which it was directed. As a matter of fact, remember last week when David wrote in Psalm 3, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say to me, there is no help from God, Selah. What is David writing? He says, Lord, I have so many enemies. They're all against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue you. God will never rescue you. Guys, I can imagine this really hurt David's feelings. Listen, I don't mind being criticized. But David says, no, in the malice in which you did it, this hurt David's feelings. Do you know, do you know that when David left the palace and he was leaving with his mighty men, there was a fellow who actually cursed David. You go, what? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me share the story with you really quick. Second Samuel 16, we're going to pick it up in verse 5. It says, Then King David came to Berhurim, and a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, the son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. What happened? He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Here's what he says, verse 7. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. And then they say, why should this dead dog curse my lord and king, Abishai, the son of Zerah, demanded. So Abishai says, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, let me go over there and cut off his, his head. No. I like David says, he said, who asked your opinion, you sons of Zerah? If the Lord told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Verse 11. And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones at David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along, and they rested when they reached the Jordan River. Can you imagine? He's the king. And Shimei says, I'm going to take it upon myself to curse him and throw rocks. What would you do? I'd beat him up. I'd go, you know what? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'd beat him up. Why, you, you know what? Listen, it's bad enough that my son is trying to kill me. And I didn't do all those things you said I did. I didn't do them. God gave me the throne. Listen, I have my own problems. But guess what happens? He's like, no. No, we're going to trust the Lord. We're going to trust the Lord. So David doesn't like the criticism, but he trusts the Lord. Criticism is hard to take. Criticism's hard to take. You know what's not hard to take? Blessings, when they talk good about you. That's not hard to take. I like that. I like that. But I learned very quickly as a pastor that I really don't read a whole lot of criticisms and I really don't take to heart everybody who lifts me on a pedestal. They're both the same thing. You kind of go, okay, you kind of stay in the middle. You kind of stand in the middle. You don't, oh, pastor, that was. I've had so many people come through this church, and they've come from another Calvary. Oh, my gosh, David, God, believe it. It's Calvary Chapel. We love it. We're here. Hey, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard. And they walk out the door, and I never see them again. I've had that. And I've had people curse and accuse. We're just doing what God's called us to do. Amen? That's what he's doing. That's what David's doing. So, so the one part is what? Is the criticism, and the other point is comfort. Why? Because David finds comfort in the words of God. Those words that keep him firm in his thoughts.
thoughts. So, as we go through our study tonight, church, criticism can really hurt our feelings, even to the point of being sick. Just remember this. Never worry about criticism from someone you wouldn't get advice from. Isn't that a great quote? Never worry about criticism from somebody you wouldn't get advice from. The second thing is, as the second thing to apply as we go through our text, even in the midst today of hardship, sickness, loneliness, betrayal, depression, even the holidays, the key is to keep your eyes on God and find comfort in his word. That'll keep you standing. That's where we got to go. Okay, so let's jump in. If you're taking notes, we discover in the psalm it's broken down four ways. Okay, jot this down. We're going to have the blessing of God for those who consider the poor. That's verses 1 to 3. Then we're going to see David's personal prayer as he cries out for mercy, verses 4 to 10. And then Thanksgiving, which is very interesting that we're at this part, and David acknowledges the Lord's favor. And then in closing, the doxology is the Lord is worthy of eternal praise. So it's broken down this way. So let's look at the blessing of those that are mindful for the poor. Now, if you're asking me if I was writing a psalm and I was super bummed, sick, been cursed at, all of this stuff, I don't think I would start off with, with I think I'd be, oh, woe is me. Didn't anybody care? Didn't anybody care? You don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You, is that just me or is that how we would write? There's some, but, but David, David, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he just, well, let's take a look. He says in verse 1, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him into, into the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. Now, your attention, please. Note the very first word that David uses. He said, blessed. Okay, if you're taking note, the Hebrew word is esher, E-S-H-E-R, and it means happiness. Oh, how happy is the person. And it's almost like saying, Tiffany, if you want to be happy, you want to be happy in life? Well, of course I want to be happy. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. He says, happy is those who consider the poor. Who consider the poor. Now, I looked up that word consider because I want to know what it means. Because I can consider the poor really easy. I can go out to eat. Joe, let's go out to eat, and then we could buy somebody, and we're, okay, maybe they're not poor, but we're thinking of you, we're considered. So I want to know what that word means. What does it really mean to consider the poor? Does it mean it's Operation Christmas Child? Does it mean, I mean, what does it mean? I, 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 I want to know. Well, I looked up the word, and it actually means to have wisdom, understanding, and compassion. To have wisdom, understanding, and compassion. So it's not simply going, Hey, you poor? Yeah, I'm poor. Poor college student right here. Okay. Well, here, throw him a buck or whatever. You know, buy him a cup of coffee. That's not what it means. It's, it's, a, it's a deeper word. David said, happy is the one who has wisdom, understanding, but he's also talking about poor. What does it mean to be poor? Oh, well, pastor, means I don't have any money. 
No, it's not exactly what it means because it actually means to be poor in person, position, and possessions. In person, position, and possessions. I think this is a great application for us. You see, David is in the middle of of just being betrayed, being cursed at, not feeling good. And what does he do? In the middle of the storm, he says, you want to be happy? You want to be happy? Consider Consider those that are less fortunate than us. Consider those. But in order to do this, we need to do some work. Because David was super stressed. Ever been there? Ever been super stressed and on the run? But he starts off with what? Blessed is he who considers the poor. Now, to poor. Now, fast forward to 2021. Who are the poor in our lives? And, and, and how do we consider them? Who are the poor in our lives? Well, first, we need to see that these are people who are poor in, in person. And if you look at the word, it could mean emotionally. They're emotionally bankrupt. They're poor. They just, they just, they just don't have it anymore. They're, they're, they're emotionally drained. You ever been there? Ever been where you're emotionally drained and you just don't have it? You just, you just don't. It could be poor in um, spiritual. Well, there's a lot of people that are, born, that, are, that, are, that are poor spiritually. There's a lot of them. I was talking to my friend today, Ray, from Albuquerque, and he said, hey, it looks like you had a great turnout for for the trunk or treat. And I said, yeah, we had well over 1,500 people. But I'm not sure if any of them came to church or go to church. And it made me think, I wonder how many are really poor spiritually. It could be poor this way, jot this down. It could be poor from from love. Isn't it, isn't it crazy this time of year people want to feel loved? Just loved. That's it. It's not a hard thing to do. It's not a hard thing to do to call a friend and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I just, I just don't want you to be alone, man. I just, you got a friend. It's not hard. But there's a lot of people who, who are poor in love. What about hope and knowledge of God? See, again, we think of poor monetarily. They don't have any money. They're broke. They're not going to have a good Thanksgiving, all of that stuff. As a matter of fact, people started panicking and freaking out that this year's Christmas was going to be canceled or postponed, whatever. There wasn't going to be any toys on the shelf, all of that stuff. And you know what I said? You know what? It doesn't matter because Christmas wasn't about that. And what an awesome opportunity for the church to respond. There are many there are there are many people who are rich monetarily but poor emotionally. They're drained and all the money in the world won't help that. What about those that are poor in position? What do you mean? Oh, maybe they, they're not CEOs of some, some great company. They're not CEOs. They're not, they don't have a big, powerful position. These are your everyday normal folks whose position in life is just enough to keep their heads above water. What about them? There's people that are poor in position. 
What about those guys poor in possessions, in possessions? And of course, we must consider them this time of year, those who have no money, those who cannot make ends meet. But part of that, church, listen to me, is being sensitive to God's Spirit to bless people. Be sensitive. Because what will happen is that you and I will get convicted in a sermon and we'll go, okay, that's it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go help somebody. I'm going to help the ding dong ditch. Let's go. And we'll wrap a bunch of presents and, and we won't pray about it and we'll go help somebody to make us feel better. Come on. Hello. But that's not what it's about. What it's about is going, hey. That's why part of the Thanksgiving is to bring somebody who may not have Thanksgiving. Hey, come on out. Come and have a great time. Have, have some food. Have some food. Have some food. Guys, I'm not talking about the people who are lazy. Okay? But those we can bless just by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We get up in the morning and we go, Lord, next week's Thanksgiving, who do you want me to bless with a meal? Now, again, you don't go, well, no, I'm sorry, Yvonne, I have four turkeys already. God bless you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really praying to go, hey, can I, can I do your Thanksgiving dinner? Go to the store. Get a turkey, get all the stuff, and say, here you go, man. You know there's some single moms out there. You know there's some folks. God will lead you to them. You want to be happy? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. The believer who reaches out to the poor will experience God's mighty uh, mercy and spirit of personal failure, physical illness, opposition from enemies, and betrayal from friends. Furthermore, God's mercy will extend beyond the believer's earthly life into eternity. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The Lord will also, um, well, actually, verse 2, it says the Lord will, what, preserve him and keep him alive. Thank you, Lord. He will be blessed on the earth. There it is again. And then he says, you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of his illness, and you will sustain him on, on a sick bed. Here's what David writes. The Lord protects them, keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land, rescues them from their enemies. The Lord assures them that when they are sick, he restores them to health. Okay? Now, how is one blessed who is mindful of the poor? Okay, let me give you six. This is how you're mindful. You're mindful of those who are poor. Number one, the deliverance of the deliverance in time of trouble. That's verse one. Number two, the protection and preservation of life. Okay, number three, public recognition of blessings. Here you go. Restraint of the enemy's plans. Number five, strength in the time of illness. And here's my favorite. Number six, recovery from illness. Recovery. These are the blessings if we'll just consider the poor. 
I guess the question in Psalm 41 is, why would David write that first? What does he know? What does he know? Well, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed. So we know that David says, I need to keep my eyes on God. And I'm giving you the secret to happiness. You want to be happy? You want to be happy? Just consider the poor. With wisdom and understanding. Okay, cool. Cool. You know, you don't have to go give them money, Adam. But you could give them time and you can share the gospel and whatever it might be, whatever you, you feel like they need. You, you, you see, it's just all-encompassing. Let me, let me tell you another thing. Let me tell you another thing. If you have someone who's poor in position, how about encouraging them? How about encouraging them? You know, they go to work, they work hard, they come home, they're tired, and that's your friend. Instead of going, man, well, if you work a little bit harder, you might be CEO one day. You go, you know what? Thank you for what you do. Your family needs it. I mean, just encouraging. Encouraging. Can I, can I share a secret with you? We live in such a negative world that I find myself negative all the time. And I don't want to be. I want to be encouraging. I want to be encouraging. How you doing? How are you? You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Hopefully one day you won't have to work two jobs. Hopefully one day the Lord is going to just bless you. I mean, we know this. But if we're really honest, monetarily, spiritually, we're blessed. We're blessed. We've got a home. We've got a shower, has water. How many times have you ever gone into the shower and go, okay, I hope it works? We, we take that stuff for granted. We're blessed. I'm going to take a shower. Whose money is it? It's not our money. It's God's money. It's God's money. Whose time is it? It's not our time. It's God's time. So what does David do? He says, this is how you want to be happy? Oh, by the way, let me, let me just pray. Something interesting happens here. Notice David's personal prayer. I said, now here it goes, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. I Love how transparent the Word of God is. I love how transparent the Word of God is. Why? Because here's what David says. David says, I need, I need healing for my soul. Lord, the first thing is I need mercy. I need mercy. I've sinned. I've sinned. Who did he sin against? I love that pray that David prays to the Lord and his prayer describes in some detail the predicament he faced. Because verse 4 he says I sinned against God. There's our confession. There's our confession. There's our confession. We've sinned. We've sinned. Guys, we are moving in a world that that wants us to believe that we have not sinned. We've sinned. And what does David do? He confesses his sin. And this is so amazing because this cleans our souls. This cleans our souls. 
I don't know about you, but why are we holding on to it? Why are we holding on to it? Oh, I don't want people to think I'm, 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 you're what? Well, that I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner because I have a reputation to uphold. I'm holy and godly and I sin. I blow it. But here's the one thing that we need to understand. If you really want healing in your soul, I think repentance goes hand in hand. How so? Well, there's many times that I said I'm sorry. I sinned, but I don't change. Well, I've sinned. Yes, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Okay. Where's the change? Where's the change? God wants us to change because your soul needs to be healed. David needed his soul to be healed so he confessed his sin. Now, let me jot this down, guys. Jot this down. I want you to see all sin is against God. You know that, right? All sin is against God. We might, we might sin against each other, but you realize that all sin is against God. So when you sin, if you sin against a brother, make sure you get it right with your brother, but you've got to get it right with God because all sin is against God. I love doing this premarital counseling. They'll come to me, and, and so we'll talk about, about hey, so premarital counseling, so um, have, have, you guys, uh, have you guys been intimate? Well, we tried, Pastor. We just, yeah. Okay, well, here's, here's the deal. You need to abstain from that. Um, God wants to bless you. And, 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 uh, and, oh, by the way, because you did that, and I said, you need to go to her and ask her to forgive you, and you need to go to him, and you need to ask him to forgive you. Well, why? Because you realize that all sin is against each other, but it's also against God. Oh. Oh. What about when we, when we sin with our wives? Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Lord, I'm sorry that I treated Nathalie this way or I treated my wife this way. I treated my husband this way. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? All sin is against God. Just as a side note, you ready? Jot this down. In verses 7 to 9, notice the weapon that's being used. Notice the weapon. He says, my enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. Look at verse 7. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they, dev- they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now he lies down and he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend whom I trusted who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me. Raise me up that I might repay him. What was the weapon? What was the weapon? Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. We talked about this, guys. We talked about this. Now, I find it interesting. David's praying, and he's sick here. And and basically, so much that he's surviving, basically, was the question. This is what they're saying about David. When's he going to die already? When's he going to die? Dave, 
Did you hear? Um, hey, did you hear? Some evil disease is going to kill him. He's already dead. Could you imagine for just a moment being in David's sandals? Okay? Could you imagine? Let's just bring it to 2021. You post on social media that you're sick. You're on your sick bed, please. And, and all you said is, not feeling well, please pray. Okay? And, and you're like, cool. And you put it on out there. And you get the basic response from people who love you. Praying, bro, praying. Are you okay? What can I do? I'm praying. But what if, what if you got responses like this? And the comments are, well, serves you right. You better get right with God. Or we'll pray, but what you have, you won't make it through the night. What if the comment from a friend said, praying, hashtag not going to make it. (laughs) You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. That would be hurtful, wouldn't it? That would be hurtful. Look at, look at it again. I want to read it from the New Living Translation. He says, my enemies say nothing evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten? This is what they're saying. His enemies. And everybody goes, amen. I get it. Your enemies are going to say this. But verse 6 is key. He says, they visit me as if they were my friends. Wow. They visit me and they're my friends. But all the while they gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for a second? There you are laying in the hospital. Beep, beep. You're right. You're just, and they come and go, oh, are you okay? Are you right? Came to visit you. Are you all right? Oh, man. Wow. We're praying for you, bro. You okay? Wow. Let me, let me just, Lord. And then they walk out and they stab him in the back. And they go to Adam and they say, I don't know what's wrong with him. Whatever he got, he deserves. And they start to spread it. Tell Tiffany. Rosa, did you see what did? And, and, and he's like, wow. And he's hearing this. They, they, they acted like my, I think that's what's hard. That's what's hard. He was surrounded by his enemies, guys. We know how that feels. The problem is, is that some of them pretended to be their friends and actually care. And when they left, they were celebrating his presumed demise. Wow. Can we relate to that or what? Because I think every one of us has had people that we thought were really our friends that are not. We've had people that we go, ooh. If, and what's the old saying? If I have what, enemies? Or what is, what's that saying? Let's see. Yeah, with friends like this who needs enemies. Exactly. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. That's, that's what David's saying. He's going, wow. They, they come in, they pray for me. I think they're my friends. And outside, right outside the ICU room, they're celebrating, waiting for me to die. Now, just, just for my Bible students, the Psalms reference, um, his son had already betrayed him, but this was Ahithophel. 
Ahithophel was his BFF, and he aligned himself up with David's son Absalom. He jumped ship. Can you imagine? His best friend decided, I'm going to go with your son. Psalm 41 is not only a Davidic psalm containing betrayal theme, it's also found in Psalm 55, guys, uh, 12 through 14, 20 through 21. And he writes this, check it out. For it's not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolent with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house, and we walked in the throng. I think that's the hardest part, don't you think? It's like, man, if it's my enemies, let's go. If you you want to, let's... He says, but it was, it was you. It was my friend. It was my friend. I like to give you a lot of side notes, but if you're taking note, verses 10 to 12 are in the present tense. So he's writing, he's like, this is going down right now. This is happening. I'm not feeling too good. But then he changes. Notice, his, notice he acknowledges the Lord, verse 11 and 12. He says, by this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. The first three verses of the psalm announce the blessing and that the rest of those who are mindful of the poor... David found himself in need of all six blessings, and he called out fervently to the Lord. And then he comes to verse 11 and 12, and he praises God, notice, for answering his prayer. He says, read it again. He says, but this I know, okay, God, that you're pleased with me. Why? Because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold my integrity and set before me your face forever. What's he doing? You guys ready? Jot this down. Please, 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 please. This is what we need to do. You go, what's that? Praise the Lord for answered prayers. Praise the Lord for answered prayers. You go, what do you mean? Now, I know what you're thinking. Sometimes we pray for things that haven't come to pass. They haven't come to pass. You keep praying. We need to praise God for answered prayers. Because you know what the answer is, right? What are the answers? Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And other times he just says wait. Just wait. Our job is to praise him for the answered prayers. God, we're praying. We just praise you. We just praise you, Lord. This is amazing, Lord. This is amazing. And then David finishes the doxology where he gives glory to God. Look at verse 13. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. So as we close our study tonight, let us be reminded, let us be reminded that God is calling us back to him. And the a short purpose of, of, of him calling us back to him is that we're reminded to consider the poor. 
This is the perfect time for this psalm. There are a lot of hurting people this time of year who who just need a friend. And we don't have to go out and buy everybody a bunch of presents, but if you were to sit with somebody and have a cup of coffee and just be a friend. COVID-19 has taken the lives of a lot of people. And maybe we just call them up and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I know this is your first holidays without your husband, without your wife. Could we be the hands and feet of God? You want to be happy, let's consider with wisdom and uh, just the poor. Okay, okay, these are poor. Okay, I'm with you. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would um, help us be mindful of those that are poor. Poor emotionally, spiritually, poor in love, poor in the knowledge of you. God, poor in, posi- in, in, in position, Lord, they're, they're just trying to make ends meet, and just even in possessions, God, maybe that, Lord, we could... God, we love you. Lord, as we as we worship tonight, may we be reminded. Lord, may we be reminded of just all that you want to speak to us. That we would pray, Lord Jesus, there. There are some folks, God, that, Lord, they act like our friends, but they're not. We just pray for them anyway. Lord, tonight we pray for answered prayer. We give you glory for answered prayer. We thank you for answered prayer. God, you answered our prayer when when we cried out for mercy and you saved us. Father, as we sit quietly and we contemplate these things that we've learned tonight, that David, like, like, like he was going through it. Lord, he was sick. And his heart was for people. I think of you, Jesus, and, and looking 2,000 years and, and seeing these beautiful people and saying, I've got to go to the cross because I, I want to see Joe saved and I want to see... Ah. God, we thank you. Lord, in the midst of suffering, 
we come to you. May you be blessed tonight, Lord. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.